Welcome to the Garden of Belonging, a podcast exploring the things that help us belong to ourselves and the things that get in our way. I'm your host, Kim K. Gray, a life coach for good girls and people pleasers, dedicated to helping them know, trust, and courageously share their voices. In this podcast, we will explore topics such as self-knowledge, self-trust, self-acceptance, and self-expression. The world needs our unique gifts. It's time we connect with our inner voice and show up fully as ourselves. Today, I am joined by Joanne Edinburgh. She is a certified eating psychology coach with Body Wisdom Nutrition, LLC. She provides one-on-one coaching to support women in developing a healthy relationship with food and body, helping them shift from the cycle of eat, guilt, shame to curiosity, compassion, joy. She uses a positive approach in working on issues such as weight, body image, and emotional eating, guiding clients to find the internal wisdom to transform eating challenges into powerful opportunities for personal growth. Joanne has previously worked as a social worker and has training and experience as a yoga instructor in labor support doula. She has a Bachelor's of Science in Psychology from Tufts University, a Master's Degree in Social Work from Boston University, and a Certification in Eating Psychology Coaching from the Institute for the Psychology of Eating. Hi, Joanne. Thank you for joining me on the Garden of Belonging podcast. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Uh, This is so exciting. And I wanted to just tell you that I love the name of your podcast, Garden of Belonging, because for me, um, like one of my definitions of health and wellness is connection, connection to self, connection to community, and connection to nature. And Mm. I feel like that name really encompasses all of that. So I just love that. Thank you. Yeah, I had (laughs) some of those things in mind when when I came up with the name, so I'm glad it resonates. Yeah, definitely. So this season on the podcast, I'm talking with folks about honoring ourselves. So when you think of that term, honoring yourself, what does that mean to you? So to me, honoring myself um, has to do with taking care of myself. And so I think about, you know, taking time for myself, being present with myself, you know, really being in touch with what's authentic for me in a moment, you know, how I'm feeling, what I'm needing. Um, And I guess also, you know, doing things that bring me joy. So those are kind of the main areas, I would say. Yeah, I like that you brought in that idea of finding joyful things, because I think sometimes we think of taking care of ourselves as like all these sort of monotonous daily needs and we forget to take care of the pieces that help us to thrive. Mm -hmm. So I'm glad you brought joy into it. Yes. Yeah. So what do you find gets in the way of honoring yourself? I guess, yeah, just not being present and just kind of going through life on automatic pilot, just doing what needs to get done, um, whether it be work or things around the house or cooking, just all those day-to-day things, Mm -hmm. like you were saying, and not taking that time to be present and really think about, okay, what's my intention for today? What do I really want to do 
to honor myself and take care of myself. Because I think it is a practice. Um, and it's, I don't think growing up that I learned how to do those things, to take that time for myself. So. Yeah, I think we tend to learn the story that like taking time to ourselves is selfish. Yes. But we forget that like if we don't take care of ourselves, then we can't be generous to others because we just burn out. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I think right now, especially with this pandemic going on, um, you know, it's, it's hard to stay focused on the positive, joyful things. But on the other hand, it's in a way easier because some, in some ways we have more time mm-hmm. to really think about how we want to be intentional. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, so sometimes honoring ourselves and taking care of ourselves means doing something uncomfortable. What do you, what do you say about that? How do you handle those situations or how do you tell other people to consider those situations? Yeah, I, that's a hard one. I mean, I think for me, um, you know, there's a couple pieces of that. It's, it's both doing things that are uncomfortable and talking with other people in situations that are uncomfortable. And, you know, I think growing up, you know, I was always taught to make people comfortable and Mm -hmm. not create conflict. And I was always like the peacemaker in my, my house. And um, also, I think I got a lot of messages about whether I was capable uh, or not. So pushing myself out of my comfort zone is difficult for me. So being authentic, um, being really true to myself is challenging, especially when it means pushing up against that discomfort. Mm -hmm. Um, And in terms of communicating with other people, you know, also, I think it's not something many of us are very good at (laughs) is communicating in challenging situations. Um, so like finding tools to be a better communicator, like, um, nonviolent communication, which is Marshall Rosenberg's work. That's something that was a real life changer for me to be able to think about connecting with people in a real empathic, you know, listening way, um, where that's the goal is to connect. So even if it's a challenging situation that you're trying to communicate it's a great tool for learning how to do that um yeah so yeah i think sometimes we often listen in order to get our point heard exactly. <laughs> like when can i say the thing that i want to say and rather than really listening to build that connection like you're seeing saying and i think that's really important right now as we come to this election in the next when, when we're recording, it's a few days away. Yes. Is that really trying to see each other and understand each other? Yes. It's, it's so hard and so important. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think, like you said, a lot of times these are skills and tools that we didn't really learn growing up. I think things are maybe changing for the new, the generations now, but um there was a lot of messages, at least when I was growing up, and it sounds like you as well, about like keeping the peace and avoiding conflict and, um, you know, 
be the good girl. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, you talk about that a lot in your podcast and in your work. But yeah, as women in particular, I think we're just taught to be quiet and don't speak our minds and speak our truths. And I think that really interferes with, this is such an important part of health and well-being is being authentic and speaking our truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and having that sense of belonging from that. Totally. Yes. Yeah. Um, how do you balance the long-term and short-term efforts to honor yourself so that you can feel for fulfilled, especially in times when those can like, like maybe you do a lot of short-term things, but you forget about the long-term. How do you find that balance? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think they're connected. Like a lot of things that I do, a lot of my self-care practices are practices. You know, there's, there's lots of different things every day that I might do one or two of them. Um, and kind of the long-term goal is to turn them into habits. Mm. So, you know, at some point I get to a point where I'm missing them if I don't do them. So I'm not sure if that's what you mean, but mm -hmm. you know, I think they're connected. You know, we have all these daily practices that we try to incorporate to take care of ourselves. Um, like for me, it's, you know, meditating and movement of some sort, trying to get outside, um, eating in a way that's nourishing, not just eating nourishing foods, but eating in a way that's nourishing. Just mm. um, something I work on a lot with my, with my eating psychology coaching clients. Um, and you know those social connections as well so all of those things and you know hopefully some every day i can do one or two of them but, mm -hmm. but. yeah and building that long-term habit like you said i liked yeah. those those terms you used of like the daily practice that builds the long-term habit yeah yeah so you mentioned your um eating psychology coaching i wonder if you could um, talk a little bit about that and how that ties into like honoring our physical bodies. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that so many of us grow up with messages about our bodies that are really negative and even challenges that people have around our bodies and food um, are very negative and based around judgment and guilt and shame. And so what I do with my clients is try to get to a place of making peace with food and with our bodies and with ourselves um, and kind of shifting that cycle from judgment, you know, after we eat um, and guilt and shame and turning it into one more about curiosity. And like, why am I, why am I having these, why am I doing these behaviors? You know, why do I overeat? Why, you know, what is my weight trying to teach me? And turning into a place, it into a place of having more compassion for yourself. Because, um, you know, I think my, my perspective is that our body is here to teach us. It's like an amazing thing that, is it can be it 
we can heal and we can learn from what it's here to teach us. So, you know, it just like take this, the issue of weight, you know, weight can mean so many things for different people. And most people look at it as something they just want to get rid of, mm -hmm. something they don't like that. Um, and so for me, it's like, well, what is the bigger meaning behind the weight? You know, are there things in your life that are weighing you down? Mm -hmm. Taking a look at that, because sometimes those kinds of things can have a big impact on why we hold on to weight. Um, or, you know, what is it trying to teach us in terms of our, our body image? You know, when we look at the mirror, look in the mirror and we don't like what we see, um, you know, maybe we're, we're meant to be learning about self-love and having compassion for ourselves. So, you know, I, I try to bring those things into my sessions with people I work with and really reframe how we look at issues related to food and eating, um, you know, into a much more positive, empowering place. Mm -hmm. I really like that really compassionate lens because a lot of times we have this, the messages we hear around like your body looking a certain way and exercise and movement looking a certain way and you have to like XYZ and having this really curious and compassionate um, lens that we look through at those things can just help us um, build more nourishing practices. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, even movement and exercise, I mean, I didn't really call it exercise anymore for myself or with my clients. It's more about, you know, what do you do every day in terms of movement that you enjoy, you know, because that's going to be what brings you health and feeling good and feeling energy. You know, if you're just exercising so you can eat more or lose weight, um, it's not very sustainable, but building practices like we talked about before uh, that just make you feel good. And it's different for everyone. It can, it can look so many different ways. There's so many ways you can move your body um, and just finding something that makes you happy and mm -hmm. that you're doing is what's going to build that long-term habit. Yeah. And I think of the like, the stress that can be involved when you have this focus on like, I have to do this exercise in this particular way because I want to lose weight or whatever. And that, that just can add stress to your body that is going to make you hold on to that weight. <laughs> exactly. There's so much physiologically that happens when we're in that stress response uh, that completely counteracts what our goals are if we are trying to lose weight because um, when you release the cortisol and you do all the other things that cascade of events that happens when you're in stress response you absolutely cannot lose weight mm -hmm. and um, so that's why I really focus on doing things that bring you joy not just like relaxation per se but when you're happy, when you're um, just feeling good, have energy, those are things that are going to put you into that relaxation response, which is what you need to be able to metabolize and digest food well. So it's yeah. 
you know, important and it's the kind of the missing link for so many people because so many of the things that people I think are doing are stressful. And so it's really running counter to what, what makes sense physiologically for your body. Right. Right. So, um, speaking a little bit about joy, um, especially in the midst of what's going on right now with the pandemic, how do you honor yourself and your joys and your successes while you're surrounded by pain or struggle? That's a hard one. Um, and I think, you know, it's, it's the things that I would normally do to celebrate are a lot harder right now. You know, mm. for me, it involves being with other people. Right. For the most part, that's the way that I like to celebrate. Um, so, you know, trying to be more creative about that and just focusing on um, connecting with people in different ways. You know, there's a group of friends, we get together for our birthdays. And so, like next week, we're doing a Zoom call together for one of my friend's birthdays. Another time we got together outside. One of my friends has built this like outdoor patio area that's covered, but open. And we had a little happy hour out there. Um, another friend sent something about her son's birthday, like asking to send a video. So my son sent a video wishing her son happy birthday. And she was going to do like a video montage, you know, for him and, you know, trying to think about how we can celebrate um in different ways but yeah that whole issue of in the midst of pain like celebrating when it's hard um yeah i thought i i can think about the situation that happened in the spring my son goes to a school where there's a well uh, last year he was at a school where they did a lot of focus on social justice and um everything was online at that point at school, but they were doing a lot of work with the kids, um, especially after George Floyd was killed that week. They didn't have regular classes and they worked with the students on processing a lot of issues around racial justice. And we did the same with parents, you know, there were Zoom meetings talking about uh, a lot of those issues. And we had started doing these parent coffees and parent happy hours on Zoom uh, during the spring. And we were supposed to have a happy hour at the end of that week. It was like really intense. And it was very emotionally draining. And, you know, they decided not to have our happy hour. And I really had mixed feelings about that because I think we need to be able to celebrate in the midst mm -hmm. of hard, challenging, times like i think the only way to get out of despair is to have hope mm -hmm. and sometimes that means like celebrating and focusing on what we're grateful for even when it might be small things so yeah that's kind of my perspective but it's hard yeah sure. yeah you're right and it's hard to make it come across in that way that is positive and not um diminishing the pain yeah. that's happening but i think that you're right that like these are times when in some ways the only way we can cope and get through is 
to have those moments of joy, of gratitude. Um, and even just simple things, you know, like I try to, when I go take my dog outside, just try to notice like, gosh, the air feels really good to breathe or just, you know, simple things. Yes. Yeah. 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 I mean, especially around like body image, like we were talking before. Um, it's so easy to focus on the negative and, and judge ourselves. But if you really think about how amazing our bodies are and, you know, even each different part of our bodies, you know, our voices to be able to sing, to speak, you know, our legs to be able to walk. I mean, you know, like being able to reframe it to mm -hmm. think about like, wow, what amazing beings we are. Yeah. No, thank you, body. <laughs> yeah. <Every day. laughs> Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so one of the questions that I, when I reach out my, to my community about this, um, this season of the podcast, I asked like, what do you, what do you want to know about? One of the things that people asked about was what kinds of things can I do on a budget? Like what are the like low cost actions, practices that I can take to really honor and take care of myself? What would you say to that? Okay. Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, there's so many things that you can do. Um, like some of the things that I do, well, meditating is one that I talked about. And when I, when I say meditating, I mean just sit for five minutes, 10 minutes, however long you have, and just be. There's no, there's no goal. There's nothing you have to do. In fact, that's what it is, is not doing, it's just being. So you can do that anytime, anywhere. It's just being quiet. And um, so that's a, that's a good one. Hard to do, but cheap and easy if you can, you can make it happen. Yeah, um, and it's like you said, you don't have to do it for a half an hour or no. whatever. Just take, like maybe at the start, you just do one minute. Exactly, exactly. And you just do what you can every day or once a week, you know, whatever works for you until it becomes more of a practice. Um, like staying hydrated, I think is a really good thing you can do for your body. That's pretty easy and hard. Um, <laughs> I think I'm perpetually uh, dehydrated, but I did this challenge with this group that I'm in uh, that was a week long challenge of trying to drink half your body weight in ounces of water. And I was like, oh, I can do that. You know? <laughs> not to drink other things like especially caffeinated things which make you need even more water so you know I've gotten into this habit during the pandemic of having my matcha lattes every morning which I just love that ritual <laughs> myself and I was like okay I can give that up for a week um anyway so I did it and it was hard and there were some days that I could drink that much and some days not but I really noticed how much better I felt like mm. and emotionally so I've been trying to keep that up and I basically fill up this jar with as, with as much water as I'm wanting to drink during the day and just try to try to keep track of it that way um, so that's that's one um, another one I do is oil pulling I don't know if you've ever heard of that I have yeah so that's like an Ayurvedic practice where you I use uh, coconut oil take about a teaspoon put in my mouth whenever um, 
you have time to think about it and just swish it around again start with just like a minute or two and kind of build up from that i've been doing it for so long i could literally do it for like half an hour and it's no big deal <laughs> <laughs> and the idea right is that it pulls toxins into that oil into out of yeah. your body so it really cleans out your mouth which is where a lot of um disease starts yeah. um so you just switch it around for as long as you can spit it out in the basket because it's got a bunch of toxins in it now so you don't want to swallow it or mm -hmm. put it and um yeah, I've been doing that on and off for years. And what I noticed was like, I go to the dentist and my my gums aren't nearly as inflamed as they used to be. Like I don't bleed, I don't have pain after I get my teeth cleaned. So it definitely is helping in that regard. And mm -hmm. so that, that's a pretty cheap one. Um, let's see. Yeah, just like socializing, like making phone calls, like thinking about during the day, have I, have I talked to, you know, so-and-so lately, kind of keeping track of that, especially now when I don't see people very much. Um, I think that's, that's a good one to keep in mind, just mm -hmm. reaching out to people. And so I'm on the phone a lot more than I used to be, I think. Yeah, because you can't see people in person as much. Yeah. Okay, here's a good one. Um, this is one of my new fun activities physical activities is pickleball oh yes so this is becoming really big and it's pretty cheap you just need to buy a racket which is like a paddle and a ball that's it um there are pickleball courts all over the place and they're free and it's really fun and really easy to learn how to play it's like a little wiffle ball that you use um so it's easy to hit and Anyways, I've been doing that with a, a few friends. We just try to find, like, we look at the weather, like, is there going to be a sunny day? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Hoping that will continue during the, the winter here to be a little more challenging. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know, reading, I love to read. Mm. Um, watching comedy, you know, stand-up comedy or uh yeah that's a good yeah, just to laugh it's mm -hmm. a good laughing is so important and that's i think we forget about that um so like jim gaffigan i don't know if you know of him but he's really funny and he's been <laughs> doing this thing during the pandemic where he releases like a youtube video of some of his past uh performances oh, every nice. day every oh day. wow I've only watched a few of them, but every time I watch, I'm like, oh, I should watch this more because, you know, there's a lot, a lot out there. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. It's interesting you shared that. What it made me think of is um, I recently learned that the vagus nerve, which is really involved in a lot of like um, health and well-being, one of the ways that you can work on toning it and working on bettering it is... Um, singing and humming so i've just been trying to sing more yes <laughs> just like yeah. singing in the shower and you know we'll take the dog out and hum and um yes yes i love that that's yeah that great. just reminded me because i i watched i watch a lot of health uh these health summits online especially these last few months yeah um and there was one and i got introduced with 
to this woman, Nikki Gratrix. Have you heard of her? I have not heard of her. I think it was on a, a Vegas nerve summit. But anyway, oh. <laughs> that's what reminded me of it. But she is like a trauma expert. And I really enjoyed listening to her. And she's been doing this weekly sound healing circle. Um, so this is free. This is another great free practice. Mm. Um, every Sunday around the world, it's at 10 o'clock on the Pacific Coast uh, time, but she records it so you can listen to it up to 48 hours later. It's an hour long. There's like a couple of 20 minute meditations and she does some introduction at the beginning, but she's got like several thousand people signed up at this point. Wow. And they are really powerful meditations, like really healing. There's, you know, the sound frequencies along with a guided meditation and, um, you know, on self-love, healing and different topics. And she's continuing to create new meditations and she does them every week. And so that's a great one. If you just look up Nikki Gratrix, yeah, you can find that and register and yeah. Very interesting. I will try to put that link in my show notes for people. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Is there anything else that you want to share about honoring ourselves? Um, you know, one of the things that I think we've talked about, and maybe we touched on this a little bit was like honoring our pain. Mm. And I think that's something that I've really had a major shift in my mindset about because again i think most of us grow up thinking that pain is bad something that we want to just get rid of um it's something that maybe we cause you know there's a lot of judgment around it you know we get sick oh what did i do wrong like i wasn't eating right i didn't sleep enough you know i was so stressed out because you know there's so much information about how much stress affects our health but like for me i feel like we need to really honor our pain as well as our joy because basically like we talked about before our body is amazing and it's just giving us messages all the time about what we need and pain is one of those amazing ways that it's just trying to teach our body is trying to teach us what we need to know like mm -hmm. what's out of balance if we're in pain then something's out of balance we're either physically or mentally emotionally so again using that perspective of curiosity mm -hmm. and thinking oh you know what's what what's going on right now like what do i need to learn from this and thinking you know how can i take what my body is trying to teach me as an opportunity for growth and for healing um i think that's definitely a, a, a way to honor ourselves that it's hard to find these days. Like, I don't think a lot of people have that perspective, but it's definitely how I try to view the world, even though it's really hard. Um, I, I had this really interesting thing happen just the other day. Like I've been thinking about this and then I was playing tennis and I went for this ball and I, I hit it and then I fell on the court. Mm skinned my knees and my like fell on my hands and um you know i got up i was a little shaken up continued to finish the match and um 
you know, seemed to be fine. Put a little ice on my hand when I got home. I think the adrenaline had really kicked in. So I was like feeling pretty fine. <laughs> then about six hours later, like I get into bed and all of a sudden I have this incredible pain, like all through my like lower arm, my wrist, my hand, my fingers, everything. Uh. Like, oh my God, what is wrong with, you know, like what's wrong with me? Um, and I could see you know, kind of watch and observe all those thoughts like, oh my gosh, my hand, my right hand, what am I going to do? I'm not going to be able to play tennis. I'm not going to be able to do anything like, you know, you know, what it, what's going to happen? And just that fear setting in, which I think happens when we get sick or when we yep. have an accident or when we're in pain and really trying to shift into that. This is good. This is fine. My body knows what to do. I'm going to be fine. I am going, I, my body knows exactly what to do to heal itself. And, you know, I went to sleep. I woke up the next morning. I was literally like 90%. Like I was, I was fine. <laughs> and it was like the first time in a while that I've had a situation to really be able to look at that mm. perspective. And, you know, who knows? I might've been fine whether, no matter what I was thinking, but um, I thought it was interesting. Yeah. And, but I think that's really important. Yes, I'm so glad you brought that up because I think that's um, that's really important. And that's one of the things I've been actually talking a lot about lately is just like, how do we honor ourselves as we are in the pain, in the struggle, in the especially in this time of COVID when pe people are struggling more, you know, and where like some days getting a shower is a victory um, and just really building love and acceptance for that. Um, and I like what you're also sharing about our pain teaching us and rather than just like okay i'm gonna like pop an advil and push it away or whatever to have that curiosity and that um compassion to sort of maybe before you pop that advil take a little <laughs> a little uh question of what's going on here what's my body trying to tell me yeah yeah i think it's really easy to love ourselves when things are going well right right just like with our kids and with parenting, it's like really easy to love your kids un unconditionally. <laughs> as long as things are going well. But then when things are hard and things aren't going the way they're supposed to, that's when the true test of unconditional love. Comes yeah, in. that's when the work begins. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So being able to be like, it's okay. It's okay that I feel terrible right now. Mm -hmm. but I'm okay with that. And I'm not going to try to fix that or try to make it go away. I'm just going to try to sit with that and learn from that. That's the hard stuff. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Really hard. Yeah. Yeah. That, it, I, that reminds me, I listened to a, a interview or a podcast, I guess, with Marie Forleo. She was interviewing this, uh, her woman, her name is Edith Eager, and she's a Holocaust survivor. She's mm. 92, 92 years old. She's a psychologist. She just published a book at 92 um, called The Gift. And so she was in, interviewing her about her new book. And I just picked up a copy. I haven't had a chance to read it, but she talked a lot about the ideas in the interview. And it was so much about this. Like, you know, here's a woman that survived Auschwitz mm -hmm. and 
her perspective on victimhood, you know, was just so profound, like, you know, shifting out of that place of being a victim to seeing life as just full of opportunities. And, you know, life just gives us situations and we're here to learn from them. And what can we learn from them? It was so inspiring. Like mm. I recommend um, you watch that because it was like, it will bring tears to your eyes, but yeah. in a good way. Like, and also how inspiring to be 92 in publishing oh, a book. I know. She wrote her first one at 90, apparently. And now she's written her second one. And yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Well, Joanne, thank you so much. This has been a wonderful conversation. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for joining me in the Garden of Belonging. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe so you don't miss any others. And if you leave a review, it really helps it reach and support more people. If you'd like to explore these topics more deeply, join me in the Garden of Belonging community. There's a link in the show notes for more information about that. Until next time, take care of you. Music in this episode by Dan O. Songs. <laughs>